At Her Spirit, we're here for you. We want to help you discover your potential, achieve your goals, ignite your fitness, find your community. Head to herspirit.co.uk and sign up for our core membership. Get access to our virtual classes, monthly challenges, expert advice and track your progress in our health hub. You'll also find your very own cheerleading squad who will support you every step of the way. Use the code HERSPIRITPOD3 and get three months completely free. It's time for you. Her Spirit. Her Spirit Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Her Spirit Together We've Got This Podcast. These shows give us the opportunity to talk to phenomenal women from the world of sport and business about their desires, vulnerabilities and spirited ways. The purpose of this series is to challenge the world we live in and why we need to change the conversation from the inside out. Her Spirit. I'm Mel Berry and I'm the co-founder of Her Spirit and today I caught up with Tony Wood. Tony started her career in retail as a graduate at Sainsbury's and discovered her love of working with people and being close to customers and why they do what they do. This led her into the marketing world and soon became a marketing leader at Procter & Gamble. She, like many women, has been supported by many to help develop her and she supports many up-and-coming females in business to date. She knows a common theme is unlocking knowing you are so much better than you think you are and asking yourself, what is it going to take for you to believe in yourself? And linking this into, you have to believe in the art of possible. I love that as I love talking to Tony. Tony, like me, has her own toolbox, commonly known to her as the Tony Toolbox, which keeps her grounded and knowing the importance of this linked into her work, her family and her health. I love talking to Tony and her passion and honesty shone through. Enjoy it. Her Spirit. Her Spirit podcast. Welcome to today's podcast. I've caught up with Tony Wood. So Tony has over 20 years as a senior marketeer for brands such as DFS, Costa, Procter & Gamble. She's also a Marketing Academy fellow and Tony's passion for people is amazing and believing to get the best out of those people is phenomenal. I've loved getting to know Tony over the last four years. Tony, welcome to today's Her Spirit podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So let's take that step back to the early years of Tony. Where was it and, and what did it look like? So my dad was in the RAF, so uh, I grew up um, in the UK, but we just moved around a lot. Um, so I think at the time that's always hard when you're a kid because you're always the new kid starting school, often in the middle of a term. Um, but I, I've been really fortunate in my, uh, as you said, over 20 years career, which is a bit scary, um, and had some great coaches. And actually, I've learned that what was hard when I was younger has probably helped me a lot in terms of how fast I build relationships with people. It's really interesting. So uh, I don't think we've talked about this, but I was the expat kid as well. So I was born in India and lived in Malta and I listened to you and it makes me smile inside that you were, I was always that kind of new kid on the block. And maybe that's why we had the ability to get to know people quite easily. So influences, you talked a bit about your dad. So was he a real influencer within what and helped to develop you in those kind of early years? Yeah, my dad was massive, so he doesn't recognise it. After all the coaching I've had, I often try and talk to him about it. He doesn't really understand what it is he did, bless him. But um, if I drill it down, my dad joined the REF when he was 15, um, and I'm, I'm one of two, but I'm his only daughter and his oldest child. 
and uh, I definitely got a disproportionate amount of his uh, investment versus my brother, <laughs> who uh, had a much easier time. He'd claim differently, but I definitely think I was the, uh, the most challenged one. <laughs> <laughs> and as you move through to your kind of teenage years, we'll talk a lot about it um, towards the end of this podcast, but do you feel the pressures of you as a teenage girl are different to what those are to teenagers today? And did you ever feel pressures as you were growing up to either be someone that you weren't or do something that you didn't want to do yeah I guess well I guess compared to sort of teenagers today and a lot of my sort of friends have have young girls I think social media can be slightly petrifying um, and then I listen to some of their stories where you know they never really escape um, so if they are being bullied it's now gone online so I think some of that's quite a scary place to be and also you know social media often uh, basically shows people at their very best and we know that's not real but I think when you're young and trying to find yourself that's quite tricky um, so and I think if I think back to when I was a child my parents were brilliant they were always you know as long as you're happy you know that great thing that parents say but I do have something I've held on to for years which is when I was a young girl my grandmother I remember sitting on the stairs in my grandmother's house and her telling me I was tubby um, and you know, don't get me wrong, I wasn't a svelte child, but um, Tubby was a bit harsh. And then even when I got married to my first husband and my nan came, I was 26, and she still said to me, you know, as a girl in my wedding dress on my wedding day, oh, you're much smaller than I remember you. So I think it's interesting, isn't it, that despite all the positivity I've had in my life, those things have still stayed with me as an adult. It's a, a great nugget and my comparable, I remember when I was in the latter stages of swimming and I was never anything phenomenal, but you know, pretty competent, is my swimming coach said to myself and my friend Elaine Archer, when we were going to Jersey, I don't think the two of you should sit on the same side of the aeroplane. And <laughs> now you can't get away with that. But you hold on to those nuggets, do. don't you? Yeah. And um, that changes your kind of lens to look back to what you were yeah. versus what you are now. Yeah, definitely. And, and for you, you were obviously active and we'll go on to talk about why but as you grew up what about eating was that something that was an important part of the family life in terms of you ate together and you learned how to cook and the importance of natural and healthy food um, we definitely ate together um, I think my dad being in the military was a very structured life so you know my mum she worked when I was a child but she worked on the base or wherever we were moving around but she was always there when we went to school and always there when we came home so I think we were really lucky my dad's definitely a meat and two veg man um, they weren't incredibly sporty my parents they were very slim but they weren't sporty um, and actually as they've got older they've done I think what most people tend to do you know most people's parents in, in my sort of friend group my parents have put on weight and my dad actually now has type 2 diabetes so um, I think as kids we definitely I was definitely for that generation you know the milk got delivered to the door and everyone fought over the cream on the top you know um, not a way that I eat today with my husband definitely so I do think there's been a massive shift in in what's available to us but also what we understand about good food yeah and we're now moving into Tony's working world so you've been a marketeer during that time and I saw you a graduate from Nottingham University I didn't realize that no. you uh, were there but why marketing why did you pick that as a, a route to go down I guess I didn't start in marketing, I started in retail with Sainsbury's, so when I did my A-levels at sixth form, I had um, 
they thought I'd had glandular fever and it had become um, at the time what was something called ME but what it meant was I did I missed quite a lot of school um, and so my A-levels are average at best <laughs> and so I kind of took a year where I didn't I kind of just a bit ankyless I guess and my parents were very supportive but we're not a big university family and um, I sort of trained to be a personal an aerobics teacher as they <laughs> called it at the time you know with a bit of lycra and everything um, and then I was Ansel's brewery's youngest licensed house manager so I kind of just I guess played around really and my parents were very forgiving of that and then my dad eventually said look you know you worked really hard for those A-levels you know I went out and got a Saturday job and paid for personal tuition so I could actually get my maths A-level and um, you need to use it and I applied to Sainsbury's because it's a very structured program a graduate scheme and that was really the beginning um, so I kind of learned from all of that I love working with people I love being close to customers and understanding why people do what they do um, which I think then through my career, I've been able to find opportunities that have led me to, to be a marketeer. And role models through your working world, I'm sure you have lots of them, but if you were to pick a couple of those people that have been really influential to help you, are there ones that you can pinpoint and remember why they were and who they were? Yeah, I mean, there's a common theme that runs through most of the people I've worked for and their common theme has been you're so much better than you think you are what is it going to take you to believe in yourself um, which I find myself now saying to people who work with me and then I remember how unhelpful that is as a statement <laughs> um, but yeah I mean I worked for a gentleman called Alan Sutherland at Gillette when I was a category manager who gave me an opportunity to sort of tag a bit of marketing onto my day job which then made me fall in love with marketing and then he sponsored me through the transition into Procter and I was very fortunate and became one of the sort of marketing leaders for Procter & Gamble for six years for, for oral care. So that was brilliant. Um, but then I've also worked with, you know, I worked with a gentleman when I was offered a role that meant moving to Geneva from the UK. And he, I remember him saying to me, well, what's the worst that can happen? And I was like, oh my God, what if I'm rubbish? And what if I fail? And what if I can't live in a foreign country? And he said, then you'll resign, you'll come back and you'll get another job, Tony. And I think sometimes it's really helpful, those people that can just give you, they, they ground you a bit in the reality rather than your self-talk that's going on in your head. But then I think there's also people that see your potential when you still don't believe. And that's something I really feel passionate about. And I spend a lot of time mentoring and coaching young female leaders because I do think it's something that I think exists in male leaders as well, but women are more willing to admit to it, in my experience. Yeah, and that piece around women in business, we talk a lot about this whole gender you know, disparity and it. it's very well documented. Mm. Let's look at it in its positive sense and the, the work that you do is how do we get more women to believe in themselves from a business point of view to say, I can do that, I will do that. Are there certain nuggets or things that you've learned through the mentoring of others that you've seen resonate and help escalate? Yeah, I mean, I wish I had the magic formula. I do because I bottle it <laughs> and give it to everybody. I think there's something around listening really hard because everybody's anxieties come from a slightly different place and then they manifest themselves differently. Um, so I've got people who on the outside you would think are extremely confident, beautiful, glamorous, well-trained, well-skilled leaders and then they can't present they just are petrified by the idea of presenting and it creates massive anxiety in them. So, you know, in extreme cases, they actually end up on medication. And I think it's really important as 
women helping women, I guess, that we try and listen and not, um, I guess sometimes, you know, you try and impose what's your experience on other people and go, oh, no, no, I remember that happening to me. Let me tell you the solution. And your solution is never anybody else's. So they have to be able to find their own way, I think. But I think it's helpful to listen and then try and give them sort of different options to help them unpack what's going on for them. And earlier we talked about bravery and how bravery can come through asking for help. Mm. Is that important if we're to look at how we make the next generation of women be leaders that have that greater self-confidence? Yeah, definitely. I think asking for help is something that is is something that's probably alien to a lot of people. Certainly was to myself, you know, my I kind of felt, you know, definitely having a military father um, that, you know, it's all about, you know, get on with it. There's a love my dad dearly, but there's a number of times, including after my uh, separation from my first husband, when he told me to man up. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yes, put your makeup on, girl, man up and get out there. This is a week after my husband had left uh, our marriage. So yeah, that was a bit of a, a moment. I now, I've actually now found a company, slightly as an aside, who do lots of um, female sort of uh, slogans. And I have, I have a t-shirt that actually says woman up on it. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so that's quite good fun. I'm sorry, I kind of di- di- uh, digressed no, off the question. Not at all, but this giving back point for me is really key because I think if you can give back it gives you that opportunity for others to thrive and that's why for me coaching no matter whether or not it's in its physical sense or in that emotional business sense is really important why do you give back why do you want to support those people and I'm sure they're both genders why do you help them I mean, I I believe, I mean, I'm a really positive person. I'm really fortunate that I don't really have down days. um, And I I know that's very lucky. Um, And I see the potential in everybody and the art of the possible. And, and, you know, so I tend to want to, well, I definitely want to try and find a way to help people realise that. And then I also, you know, after 20 years, as you pointed out, in business, <laughs> going to hold on to that. two decades, yeah. that's a lot better. <laughs> Is it, really? <laughs> I'm not so sure. But um, I definitely think back to the people that have helped me. Um, and, you know, and even in the smallest ways, you know, um, and I remember someone saying to me when I actually, when my, my marriage failed, and um, somebody who had been on the periphery of my girlfriend's set, but she'd gone through it. She was basically three months ahead of me on that journey herself. Um, and I was so grateful for what she gave me at that moment because she knew what it felt like. And then she said, and I said, I can't ever thank you enough. And she said this great line to me. She said, no, you never need to thank me, but you need to give forward and you will give it forward when somebody else, when it happens to someone else. And for us, we have two lines, you know, together we've got this and we're going to talk a little bit about that and around the power of the community. Yeah. And you know, we have three pillars and let's pick up on that first in mind. What enables you to stay resilient? You talk about being that energizer bunny but there must be something that you need to do to help nourish that mind to keep you positive yeah I mean I was when I first came back to the UK which was uh, as a result of my marriage breaking down my um, I was really fortunate in the company I worked for at the time Jordan's and Rivita and I had an executive coach and she really helped me work through what I guess I'd call my Tony toolbox so what are the things that absolutely have to be in place for me to be at my best Um, And I'm really clear, you know, it's I have to eat properly. If I eat badly, I feel bad. I have to exercise, and that's not extreme exercise, but I have to do something, I have to move, and I have to sleep. And I know that's, you know, now sort of, you know, common practice, but I think understanding that, you know, 
cliches that are often cliches for a reason, right? Because they're true. Um, so for me, that's really true. And then the other sort of words of wisdom I got during that time were, you have work, you have family, and you have your health and you can only ever drop one of those balls. If two of them get dropped, the other one falls over. Um, and again, that's certainly my experience. In times of extreme stress, if I lose my balance of my health, I lose connection with my family, um, work will wobble or vice versa. So I do think there's, a, there's definitely a way to try and understand your toolbox. You can't always use it <laughs> sometimes it's just uh, it's just like I know what I should do but today I just don't want to yeah and for me I kind of laughing. maybe it's something about our expatriate upbringing so I'll always talk about my toolbox is my four legs and if then one of those legs goes that's okay you you can still sit mm -hmm. but if two go then you're in a you know pretty sticky kind of situation <laughs> and you've easily answered the the second two parts of the pillars in terms of body and and fuel and complemented by that for, for sleep is so critically important mm. isn't it but how do you make sure that you prioritize those because so many people and it's very much a female point of view say I don't have time to mm. how do you make sure you do take time to well recently I've been living away from home for my job which actually has been harder than I probably thought it was and I've been doing it for three years now but I am um, and that's part of why I loved what, what you guys were doing is I, um, I was using a lot of stuff through my phone. So I was using YouTube channels or apps that were basically giving me structure. So I don't, I'm quite good at being self-motivated because I know what it feels like if I don't exercise or I don't eat properly and I don't, I don't like that feeling. And so I was able to use and, and, and be quite self-disciplined. But what I did miss was, you know, when I get home and I can go to the gym or I can go and meet other people and go for a run, I miss that sense of community and just being able to have a chat. So, so yeah, kind of those things are really important to me. So it's trying to find your way through. And the challenges that you've faced that are both physical and emotional over, you know, from, from day one of Tony Wood, um, you know, coming into this world, are there any things that you look back at and go that help to shape and form you in a direction point of view to grow from rather than looking at it in a, in a negative way? Yeah, I guess it comes back to something you, you talked about earlier. So whilst I'm not sure I'd say I ever felt that I'd gone out and said, please help me, I think being vulnerable, I remember how long it took me to say the word divorce. And actually the minute I put my hand up and said, I've got divorced, um, which felt like such a failure. The number of people that said, oh yeah, me too. And then you just have a conversation about it and it just lifts everything up. So I think there's loads of things or, you know, you have a bump in your career and everyone will say there's, you know, careers are not, you don't just keep moving up in a career anymore. It's very much around, you know, you move across and things happen and life changes. So, uh, so yeah, I think definitely if I look back, the phrase I'd use is sort of being vulnerable enough so that people felt that they could connect with you in a way where they know they can help because my my I guess my overarching feeling about people is people are most people in the world are good people who want to help others um, so actually saying I need help people will come towards you and partnerships that's both in the work as well as kind of friendship 
we talk a lot about collaboration, but do you think people really understand what collaboration means? Because people in the business sense come in very much with, well, I'd like to work with you, but I have to deliver on this. And in the, I guess, the outside world, when it becomes kind of friends, people become either driven by their own ego or don't truly understand how to partner together to get the best out of not only themselves and others around them. Hmm, that's a great question. So I think in the workplace, I mean, if I work with you, then you kind of have to work with me because that's who I am. (laughs) I think out loud and I have huge energy, um, which in the majority is what attracts people and how I build teams. Doesn't work for everybody. I appreciate that. And and getting your energy from others is not something that's right for everybody. So, but I think in the workplace, I would suggest that um, businesses I've worked in have been very collaborative. Um, They would call it cross-functional working. But I think that's all about people bringing different skills. And also, I've been really fortunate and worked in really diverse organisations. So, for example, in my team that I worked in in Procter & Gamble, there was 14 nationalities. Um, And I think when you grow up, as you've done, (laughs) uh, moving around, you actually are really accepting. In fact, you don't actually recognise difference. So when difference gets pointed out to you, you kind of just don't see it. And do you feel as a woman through your business career you've either not been able to succeed because you're a woman or do you just look at the situation knowing that you may have to either act slightly differently to achieve what you want to? Has it been a problem for you? Um, I think there was probably parts of my career when I was younger when I definitely wore a suit (laughs) Um, and was encouraged to wear suits for work. Um, I mean, I'm small, um, and somebody said this to me, and I tried to take it as a compliment, and they said, you're small, you're blonde, and you look really young, so don't you have a problem with gravitas? (laughs) I was like, ouch. (laughs) And my answer was, I'm actually really loud, so I kind of own the space. But, um, But I do think there's a bit around being confident in yourself, and it takes time to learn out, you know, to learn how can you be true to yourself but also recognize that in some work environments there are codes almost like hidden codes of what gravitas means or what um, you should look like when you present to senior management Um, but I think as as you grow in confidence you work out that maybe they're not the companies you want to work in yeah and that's great and we'll move on to her spirit in terms of our community is when I contacted you last November and I said Tony we're looking for founding women to come on a journey with us what are you getting I don't know why did you answer (laughs) that call and why did you want to become part of that amazing team oh so many so many reasons so I think people um, like you and Holly who take it on themselves to do something amazing and make a difference are so inspirational Um, and so I kind of look on that drive with a little bit of awe uh, I, I want to, you know, just almost be in the shadow of that a little bit and go, well, what, what can I do uh, alongside, you know, my sort of day job? Um, and then I think the bit that I love is the community. I do really believe that women are pow- more powerful together than we are apart. And the fact that we are more, we are in general more open to talking and sharing um, actually is a superpower that we should harness. Um, and that does make us different from, from guys. Um, 
but actually that's a superpower and we should harness it definitely and then also the other bit that got me which you know is um, the fact that by being a founding member myself or by being part of it I knew you guys were so committed to giving back to people that can't maybe access some of the tools and content that you're providing and I think so for me all those three things were super compelling brilliant and we talk a lot about our giving model which is one for one so for every subscription bought we gift one to a woman that can't afford it yeah and ultimately we want a million women through the community that means that it's affordable health care for every woman but before we go on to talk about that I want to read out a quote which I think I've given to you but probably haven't read of late and it's from Maya Angelou and she is part of our you know founding inspiration this is the quote a woman in harmony with her spirit is like a river flowing. She goes where she will without pretense and arrives at her destination prepared to be herself and only herself. How does that resonate with you? How does that either make you personally feel in linking into Maya's passion? I mean, I think it's a great quote and I think it's an aspiration. So for me, I'd say that's an aspiration. I'd love to be able to say that about myself. Um, but I know that I'm on a continual journey to, I guess, be anchored in my own self-worth, to use a little bit of coaching speak from my coach, um, and not validated externally by either my job or my title or other people, um, and actually try and find my sense of self-worth. Um, so I think that's something that's really inspirational, and I think it gives you, know, sort of gives you a North Star to aspire to. And our brand ethos is around togetherness and we always talk about together we've got this. What does togetherness mean to you through everything that you do? How important is togetherness? Oh, it's massive. So I have, um, so through my fellowship, um, I have, a, we, they call it the cabinet. So we have our own cabinet that we can all lean on each other. And that's massive because I think, you know, people talk about the more senior you get in business, the lonelier it gets. Um, and people's experiences are different, but I do think there is a bit around showing your vulnerability and therefore having people you can trust. Um, I have people who I work alongside um, who are kind of like, I guess, my work sort of cabinet. I worked with someone when I was at Costa. She used to call me her work wife, <laughs> which is, and the essence of that was very much around just, you know, being there for each other. Um, and then I have an amazing group of girlfriends and we're all on an, uh, a WhatsApp group together and we call it Joyful. Um, and we are just there for each other, so. And as a brand, we're here to disrupt the diet and fitness industry. And we talked a bit, you know, over a good old WhatsApp last weekend around your experience when you went to Ragdale Hall. But again, a couple of statistics. So did you know that, you know, we know that the 30 day shred diet doesn't work, but these are the key things. 50% of the population is on a constant diet and only one in 10 women in the UK are losing 5% of their body fat and keeping it off. Why is it so vitally important for us to continue to challenge either the Instagram lens or the portrayal that you have to be a certain person? Why is it so important to change that? I mean, I think it's critical, isn't it? And I think, you know, you applaud people that are coming out now and, you know, even things like showing themselves, their true selves on social media without makeup and all of those sorts of things. You know, I think people being brave, um, and I, I heard this quote recently and it said, um, be brave, not perfect, which I thought was such a, a nice thing um, to sort of try and stay true to. Um, 
But I do think we're in a world where everything's about shortcuts. So life's got busier and busier. And technology, I mean, I'm a massive fan of technology. I love, love what it can do. But I also think it has masses of downsides, which means we're never, we don't turn off ever. Um, so we're constantly on, we're constantly connected. And then I think through that, you're constantly trying to show your best version of yourself. And you're also trying to find shortcuts. Everything is about hacking and shortcutting. And I think that's part of the challenge around, you know, can you really lose that much weight and can you transform your body in that short period of time? My experience would say you can't, <laughs> um, even as the most dedicated individual. And I think it's a shame that um, people are still able to sort of show that. And we always talk about being an alternative too, because it's very easy to throw stones at other entities that yeah. are saying you do this. Is that that has to come from yourself how have you or what would your recommendations for women that are listening to this say well how do I change that dial how do I become more confident what do I need to do to realize that yeah I, I think a lot of what people show is not necessarily what's going on inside so I mentor a lot of people through the fellowship which is part of what you do to give back um, and that's part of Sherilyn's ethos which I love um, and Recently I was mentoring a young man and he said, my God, you're amazing, you're so confident. And I'm thinking inside, I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm talking to this young digital guru. <laughs> and I'm like, sort of, you know, as you've mentioned, two decades in business. So, uh, so I do think that there's that bit that it's okay. There's that internal voice that we've all got and it, it's okay that it's there. Um, but it's, it's about trying to find the way to make it a bit quieter. And digital, we're all a lover of technology and it's so important because that's the generation yeah. that's where we're going down. So how do we use digital in it as a positive force for change to show people either they can and they will and it is an alternative? I think one of the most powerful things about social media is its reach and how fast you can connect to people anywhere in the world, but also it enables you to have one-to-one -one relationships as well, and I think that's the flexibility of the technology. So you can be in a community, but you can also have a one-to-one -one conversation with someone. So I do think they are huge enablers of conversations with people, um, but also how do you build communities of people who are like-minded or are facing similar challenges? And we talked a little bit around vulnerability earlier and we mm. laughed around <laughs> Brené Brown and you're just starting to get to, to know and listen yeah. to her a bit more. How important is vulnerability to show it and know that by showing it, it is positive because openness enables you to move forward? I think it's really important. You're right, I'm only just coming across Brené now. I can't believe I've missed her for so long. but. Um, I think it's only once you've done it and had a positive experience that you have more confidence to do it. And I feel like I keep harping back to um, something that happened a long time ago. <laughs> um, but I just think about the first time I probably truly showed I was vulnerable was when my marriage, um, my marriage broke down. And uh, the people that come towards you, it makes you realise that unless you show that and ask for help, you'll miss so much. And we know that one of our great success stories was taking 30 women from zero to doing London Triathlon. They were vulnerable. They, yeah. they opened that locker. And I posted on, on LinkedIn, this is not about 30 people doing a triathlon. This is 30 women uh, being open to not succeeding. Two questions on that is, is it important to say yes 
and then learn through the Richard Branson's kind of quote of then build and understand how you get there. Do you think that's a kind of a, a positive way of approaching life? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love Richard Branson, so anything he says, I'm going to do. Um, but no, I mean, I, I said to you, didn't I, before we started this, I was slightly nervous about doing this. It's like I've never done a podcast before. Um, and, I, and I just think there's a bit around saying yes to things. It gives you new experiences, um, you know, and I'm sitting here thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to be cringing when I hear this play back. But actually, I just think feel quite brave to have done it and you you can you kind of helped me do that it's like irrelevant of what I've achieved in business this is still a massive deal <laughs> and the second is we're going to take another group of women to do Leeds triathlon uh, in June how much do I need to push you to get you to be one of those women to come and do your first triathlon in 2020 oh well, I, I've done a is it sprint what's yep. the baby baby triathlon so I've got a couple of friends who do half Ironman and um, they got me to do a sprint one um, and I'm going to say that I, I kind of, I kind of enjoyed it in the moment, but I didn't get the bug. Wow. Okay. Oh, Maybe know. we need it's to give you swimming. a different buzz and yeah. give you that. I'm going to come back to that one. I'm just going to close. <laughs> but you're a woman that has some influence on so many different levels. If you were to take from the conversation that we've had, what would be the things that you will either continue to do because you know that it is truly important to change that? And what do you think we need to give women at her spirit to enable them to feel more confident and supported? Okay, so the things I take are, I think what you guys have done is you've created something that's all in encompassing of the bits we need. So it's not just about diet or nutrition, it's not just about exercise, it's about, and, and it's also about sort of your mental health and how you feel and attitude. And you've created something, I think, with a community and I, I keep coming back to that same word is I think doing stuff with other people is what you know you commit I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it with this group of people and by committing you sort of hold yourself to account and others hold you to account which is also really helpful so I mean I think that's a bit for me as I move forward is how do I continue to make those brave commitments that I'm going to do this I'm not sure it's that triathlon though but I'm going <laughs> to yes, do this yes, yes. I can <laughs> see it now I can see your face going she's in yeah <laughs> dear Ian Philby who's yes. obviously our mutual friend that connected <laughs> yes. us you can Tony, hold the champagne at the end yeah, Tony needs a new bike um, <laughs> um, I'm sorry I missed the second part of the question and now. the second was around the women in our community they're very different and that's phenomenal that they are if you were to say Tony's tips in terms of just do something would there be things that you've learned to help them yeah I mean I'm I kind of feel that like I'm not quite qualified to say Tony's tips but um, <laughs> I think the things for me is like mine's being outside so I I know through periods of my life you know and I'm a mental health first aider I can now recognize there's been moments where I've probably had an anxiety level that's far from healthy um, be it through things that are going on in my personal life or in work and I think now I'm really clear is you know I if I don't feel like I want to run that day because I just don't have it in me I'll put my trainers on and I'll go and walk and I'll get out into the countryside and you know we're, we're lucky our new home is by a canal so I can be on the canal um, not obviously on the canal on the side of the canal um, uh, in a couple of minutes but actually that's my headspace um, and I listen to music or I podcast but actually it's about 
I use this expression, which is getting out of my own head. <laughs> Not in a way that's fueled by alcohol, obviously, <laughs> but in a way that's more around how do you stop the internal thoughts that are spinning around and jumping off each other that make you feel a bit anxious. And for me, the sort of magic is, is being outside. And if I could bottle that and give it to somebody, I wish I could. Yeah, Tony, it's been an utter pleasure. Thank you very much for your time. And I believe that you will inspire many that have either listened to this or as you continue. So thank you for your time. No, thank you. I loved it. Her Spirit. Her Spirit podcast. If you've been inspired by today's podcast and you want to know more about Her Spirit, then simply go to herspirit.co.uk and come and join the community and achieve goals that you never thought possible.